Blog Talk Radio. Franchise interviews from Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia. You're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. Hi, everyone. This is Marty McDermott, the president of Franchise Interviews, and I can't start today's show without talking about the ISO 10002. You know, some people just love to complain, but companies have a responsibility to care. The International Organization for Standardization, ISO, has revised ISO 10002, the standard for complaint handling. This document enables organizations to foster a customer-focused environment, open the feedback, heightening their customer satisfaction. You can get the ISO 10002 standard from the American National Standards Institute, ANSI, the U.S. member body of ISO. Visit ANSI.org forward slash complain to learn more. That's ANSI.org forward slash complain to learn more. Welcome to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews has been giving an up-close, behind-the-scenes look at franchising and entrepreneurship. Listen to interviews with franchisers, franchisees, franchise authors, franchise experts, and attorneys. And now, welcome your host, Marty McDermott, and Franchise Interviews. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews, where for over 11 years now, we've been asking the franchipreneurs one one. I'm your host, Marty McDermott. I'm the president of Franchise Interviews, and we have a great show. Well, it was almost 25 years ago I was introduced to one of the most enlightening books on entrepreneurship that I've ever read. The E-Myth Revisited is one of the most successful business books of our time. It was voted the number one business book by the Inc. 500 CEOs. It sold several million copies and has been translated into almost 20 languages and is recommended reading for many new franchise owners. In this interview, we discuss the success of the E-Myth Revisited. We talk about Michael's inspiration and really his whole journey for creating In the Dreaming Room, as well as my personal favorite book, Awakening the Entrepreneur Within. And let's go right into our interview with the legendary Michael Gerber. Yes, how are you, Michael? I'm wonderful. Good, good. Michael, joining us is my co-host, Don Johnson, who is also the president of Diamond Financial Services of New Jersey. And Don, Michael, works with prospective franchisees when they're ready to finance their franchise. And I know you wanted to say hi, Don, to Michael. Yeah, hi, Michael. Thanks for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. It's, it's really an honor to spend some time with you today. And we have a lot of potential entrepreneurs listening to the show, so I know they're real excited about being educated today. And, Wonderful. Um, you know, Marty and I feel we're both entrepreneurs. You know, that, that, that might change, though, after today's show. You <laughs> never oh, can tell. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> Michael, again, I want to thank you for coming on the show today, and, you know, congratulate you on the tremendous success of the E-Myth, and also congratulate you on your newest venture, The Dreaming Room, which is an exciting concept uh, that we're going to talk about in a moment. I was reading an article, Michael, I don't know if you are listening to the show early on in segment one, how a lot of younger people, Generation Wires, are becoming their own boss. And one of the first things I recommend to this particular audience is that they read the E-Myth. And for our listeners who are new to entrepreneurship and franchising, Michael, could you describe what the E-Myth is? Well, the E-Myth is exactly what we were talking about earlier. It's the um, entrepreneurial myth. Right. It essentially says that the most people who go into business for themselves really aren't entrepreneurs, but what I call technicians suffering from an entrepreneurial seizure. So they create a job for themselves instead of a, a business 
calling it a business. It is a business. It does business. But unfortunately, it completely depends upon them to do what the business does. So the mechanic starts an auto repair business. The cook uh, starts a restaurant. The doctor starts a medical practice. Each of them believing because they know how to do the work of the business. They know how to build a business that works, and it's completely untrue. And unfortunately, the reason so many small businesses fail. So, so they start to lose that entrepreneurial spirit because they get so involved in doing all the work themselves, it sounds like, Michael. Yeah, well, they're, they're passionate about becoming their own boss. Right. And they start the business to do the work they know how to do. I mean, you know, the, the logic of it is obvious that you wouldn't start a business you don't know how to do. Start a business to do what you know how to do and what you were trained how to do and what you've been doing in the job you had before. So the, the logic goes that if I do what I know how to do, I can start my own business and do it for me and take home all the money. So they go to work. And the problem really is just that. They go to work in the business. And the e-myth says you have to go to work on the business, which after all is what every great franchisor did. And the franchisor goes to work on the business to build the franchise prototype uh, so that it can be scaled, builds a system that works rather than a job for himself, and then, of course, replicates that prototype time and time and time and time and time again, which is where the business format franchise came from. Like your Ray Crocs, Michael. Exactly. Like in Ray Kroc, and in an un-Starbuck way, I mean an unfranchised way, like Starbucks, or like Walmart, or like uh, Federal Express, exactly. or like uh, Dell Computer, like any extraordinary company, um, the entrepreneur builds a business operating system that is enabled uh, that company to scale. So it's all about scale. So that's a big question, Michael. Your typical business owner starting out, they can start to do well, reach a certain level, but don't really know how to take it to the next level. Exactly, because they never really started it with right. the idea in mind that they were going to take it to the next level. They started it as an alternative to working for somebody else. And that mind shift is really, really critical for anybody who's thinking about a franchise. You know, the other part of it is that many of us say that um, franchisees um, are entrepreneurs. Right. Well, the truth of it is entrepreneurs make the worst franchisee of all because entrepreneurs want to do their own thing. Like and the creativity is lessened. Of course. To a degree, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you get a franchisee to buy your franchise, and that franchisee is an entrepreneur. That franchisee is going to change your franchise the minute he starts, the minute she starts in it, and that's the worst thing they could possibly do. Right, it's a disaster. It's a disaster. What they need to do is to go to work um, in the franchise, right. managing it, the system that works. And so what a great franchisor is really looking for um, is a great manager or a great technician. Because many franchisers are really selling jobs. They're saying, here's a great job. It really works. You don't even have to think about it. We'll teach you how to do it. 
All you got to do is to learn the system, and you'll be successful. Don't mess with the system. Really, to really think inside the box, don't think outside. They, you got it. Yeah. Absolutely. So the franchisor, Michael, is what you're saying, is the true entrepreneur or the franchisee is more the manager or the technician. You got it. If it's done ideally. So understand that's the whole quandary about franchising. Actually, what people are doing when they buy a franchise is they're buying a job. But it's a job they can depend upon because all of the problems related to it have been worked out in advance. That's the idea of it. So, of course, in order to know whether or not you're acquiring a great franchise, e.g., a great job, um, understand a job for a manager or a job for a technician, you really, really have to do your due diligence about the business operating system, the lead generation, the lead conversion, the client fulfillment systems which comprise the business operating system to see that those systems work predictably every single time. I was telling Don earlier, Michael, that we're going to have to change our tagline because our slogan for franchise interviews is asking the entrepreneur who owns one. I said, God, I hope Michael doesn't hear that because... <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You see, I'm old enough, I don't care. <laughs> exactly. Michael, what prompted you to write the E-Myth? I, I never asked you that question. I have had the opportunity in the past to interview you for a newsletter several years ago, but what prompted you to write it? I never asked you that question. Well, actually, it was a complete accident, as most things are in my life. <laughs> A stringer from a then-publisher called Ballinger Books, right. um, his fiance uh, worked for my company. It was then called the Michael Thomas Corporation, morphed into Emith Worldwide. Right, right. Um, but he came to hear a seminar I was doing called Key Frustrations in a Small and Growing Business and What to Do About Them. Mm -hmm. It was a three-hour seminar. It was the progenitor of the Emith. I never used the word the Emith then. Essentially, um, we told the story about why most small businesses don't work, and I would stand up there in front of 60, 100, uh, 150 small business owners and just beat them about the head and, and shoulders and tell them that their key frustrations came from the fact that they didn't know how to run a business. And that's what their problem was. Right. Them. Fix them, you fix the business. So all I needed to do to fix them is to change the way they think about business Right. And instantly something will happen that never could happen before. Well, in any case, this stringer, this guy who worked for Ballinger, uh, heard me, and he came up to me afterwards and said, how would you like to write a book? And I said, sure, about what? He said, about the seminar. And I said, well, yeah. He said he had a publisher who wanted to write a, have a, publish a business book on small business. Right. He went back there. They said yes. He came back. I said yes. And the emit was born. That's incredible. That's interesting. Also, just thinking, hearing you speak, Michael, taking it back a little further. I mean, with your success at Emith, I mean, what what basically was your background before even Emith came about? Oh man, my background was everything. I mean, I was a carpenter. I was a saxophone player. Wow. I was an encyclopedia salesman. I, um, I was a poet. I was a beat. I was a hippie. I was this. I was, <laughs> I was more diversified than that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I was everything. Everything oh. and nothing. <laughs> That's something. I mean, did you have any idea, Michael, the book would be so successful? I mean, as oh, well, I had. I believed it was going to be absolutely knocked down dead successful. Right, right. And of course, I believed the company was going to be knocked down dead successful. 
Right. And I believe the idea was a knockdown, dead, absolutely brilliant idea. So the whole idea of um, the reason why most small businesses don't work proved itself out that people give themselves a job and then they're working for a living and right. then there's all this stuff they don't know how to do and all this stuff they need to learn how to do but it's the context of what a business is in relationship to a guy who starts one and that is the critical and most fundamental thing that the e-myth has done it's truly transformed the way people think about a business take a lot of uh, a lot of satisfaction knowing top business people use your book as a you know as a guide. It's oh yeah, like it, it's, Bible, it's yeah. great fun. I absolutely it, love it. Yeah, I think I think one of the great things about the book, Michael, too, is I mean it's timeless. I mean this is a book or concept. I mean that you know could be read fifty years or a hundred years down the road. You know, I mean it's it, yeah, it just it, that that's what's really rewarding is that the sales of the book continue exactly um, unabated um, week after week after week more books are sold more books are sold it's extraordinary when you think about it the book came out in 1986 right and it just um, became a bestseller on new york times bestseller list it came out in 1986 Right. And it just hit the New York Times bestseller list. Could you so doesn't that, that blow your mind? Yeah, it does. That is incredible. Does. Yeah. Oh, yeah, a woman we're having on the show next week, Michael, uh, uh, Carol, she's a franchise consultant. She makes all of her uh, prospective franchisees actually read the E-Myth. You know? That's it's, great. It's, it is. It's incredible. And, and how many E-Myth books, Michael, have you written up to this point? There's several. Seven, seven books. Um, the last is E-Myth Mastery, The Seven Essential Disciplines for Building a World-Class Company. Uh, the preceding ones, the E-Myth Physician, Why Most Medical Practices Don't Work and What to Do About It, the E-Myth Contractor, Why Most Contracting Businesses Don't Work and What to Do About It, right. um, the E-Myth Revisited, the E-Myth Manager, Why Most Managers Don't Work and What to Do About It, and um, then, of course, the original E-Myth. And then there was one in there that was not an E-Myth book called the PowerPoint. Yeah, I remember seeing that. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's out of print, isn't it, Michael? It is. Uh, okay. Uh, and which is the new book you're working on right now? The new book is called Awakening the Entrepreneur Within, um, How Ordinary People Build Extraordinary Companies Without Any Experience to Guide Them. I'm looking forward to that. When's that coming out, Michael? That'll be out in February of 2008. That's great. If I get off the phone and go write it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you've really niched out some of your books. You can just keep going on in certain industries and really be specific to us. Like, uh, you know, yeah, and, and that's a plan. My plan is for 27 Emith books in 27 vertical markets. Sure, they'll all be successful. Great. Has anyone approached you, Michael, as far as writing a book about yourself, like a biography or anything like that? Or no, no, nobody no. wants to know about me. No. <laughs> well, they might want to know about when you were a hippie, though. Exactly. Yeah, that, would, right. that would make a great story. Yeah. Right. I, I was wondering, Michael, if you could tell us about yeah, your exciting new entrepreneurial venture uh, in the Dreaming Room. I think it's such uh, an exciting new concept. Well, it actually was born much like everything in my life is born um, right. by accident. Um, I replaced myself with a CEO, um, feeling that it was really time uh, for somebody else to take over the reins of E-Myth Worldwide and to grow it like I know it can and will. And um, suddenly I was free. Um, my, my life turned into um, a three-hour job. That was three hours a month at the board meeting right. as chairman of the board. Well, that drove me absolutely nuts. 
to understand it's not actually a three-hour job. I'm out right, speaking right. Uh, around the world, and Absolutely. and I'm writing. I have um, a contract with Doubleday to write five more books, okay. the first of which is the one I just described. Right. Um, but I was sitting there with, with uh, essentially nothing to do, and um, I was really feeling miserable. Yeah. Um, so I'm talking to my mother, who's 95 years old, uh, who reads all my books, uh, has no interest in business whatsoever, but she's crazy about me. Oh, that's you know, she figures if she reads my book, she'll know what I'm thinking about, because she right. never has figured that out. Um, so um, I'm sitting there, and I'm just, you know, I'm just... Pouring out my, what's going on? My going, oh man, I don't know, mom. It's like this, you know, like a kid again. I'm talking to my mother. Right, right. <laughs> and, oh, that's so. And um, she says, Michael, it sounds like it's time to create something new. Right. And it just struck me. Wow. Right. I could do that. Why aren't I doing that? Right. And the sudden thought came um, over a period of um, several weeks. Um, the dreaming room. And that came from a conversation with my brother-in-law, Marty Sklar, who just um, retired as vice chairman of Disney. Yeah, yeah. Yep, Disney Imagineering. And um, he talked about the Dreaming Room at Disney. And he said, Walt, one day got frustrated uh, with the meeting, and he told everybody, tomorrow it's going to be different. Right. And um, they came to the meeting room, and there was a sign on it saying, the Dreaming Room. And they went inside, and Walt said, well, you saw the sign. This is the dreaming room. Let me tell you what we do here. What we do here is pursue the impossible. But in order to pursue the impossible, um, something has to change in us. So I now call us um, Disney Imagineers. And Disney Imagineering, which is what Marty led for so many years, um, is the inventor of the parks what happens in the parks, all of the new things that take place there. And Walt said, from now on, that's what we do here. We, we create the impossible. We do the impossible, which means none of us and none of our experience really serves any value. We're going to have to discover the impossible within us in order to pursue the impossible. Right. And so I thought that was an incredible story. And so I immediately put a dreaming room up in, in my company, Emith Worldwide. And, of course, we all turned it into a meeting room. Right. So essentially, the whole idea was blown. Um, you know, that was solving problems, solving problems, solving problems. The dreaming room has nothing to do with solving problems. Right. The dreaming room has to do with inventing an extraordinary new company um, from scratch. It's a blank piece of paper and beginner's mind. So that's what I decided to do. I decided I'm going to go into a room with uh, 35, 27, 62 um, people who truly, truly want to create something incredibly original in a business. Uh, whether they own one or whether they don't own one is irrelevant. They truly want to learn how to invent something spectacular just like uh, schultz invented starbucks right you know all the pieces existed before you know furniture existed coffee existed tea existed all of everything existed all that he did was to reorganize the world in such a way that somebody called it starbucks right. and there it is yeah now how do you do that how do you charge five bucks for a cup of coffee? I mean, you've got to think about it. How do you right. do that? 
You have to invent that. You have to invent grande, tall, venti. You have to invent your own language. You have to invent your own look. You have to invent the way you do what you do in a way that blows people's minds and immediately draws people to you. You have to invent something absolutely spectacular. And that's what we do in the dreaming room. So I meet with people in the dreaming room. Right now it's me. I'm working in the business of the dreaming room while I'm working on the business of the dreaming room to build the dreaming room process and the dreaming room system so that I'll be able to replicate what I do with dreaming room facilitators all over the world, which is what my intention is. So the dreaming room is a not-dead, brain-busting, absolutely stunningly original um, intensive experience over two and a half days where I take on the um, in-the-box thinking of every single person who comes into the room, who comes there to get their problems fixed, only to discover in the dreaming room there are no problems. All there are here are opportunities. And I'm going to demonstrate to them in living color the way a true um, entrepreneur, the way a true uh, creator takes on the world to create something that didn't exist before. And that's what I do. And I do it with every single participant in the dreaming room, and it blows their minds. They absolutely can't believe what occurs in that, in, in that two and a half days. So that's what it is. It's a blow-your-mind, um, knock-dead, absolutely incredible, stimulating, um, awakening of the entrepreneurial spirit in every single person that comes there who even think they're entrepreneurs only to discover they're not. So much different than the E-Myth, uh, Absolutely, yeah. much more on a creative level. Well, it's level. the predecessor of the E-Myth. In fact, what I realized is this is what everybody needs to do before they do the E-Myth. Right. The E-Myth program, the E-Myth mastery program, the, the, the thing that I've invented over since 1977 to this day, the thing that's been delivered to over 55,000 now small business clients in 145 countries is the, it, it's the, the, the tools, the mechanics for once you have a dream, once you have a vision, once you have a purpose, once you have a mission, once you have a great idea for a business, now you can begin to build it with the emith um, the tools and, and coaching that we've been delivering for so many years. But until you have that great idea, then all you're going to do is you're going to build what you've got, but it's going to invariably disappoint you. Right. Right, absolutely. Very interesting. So dream, invent, create before the business. Yeah, absolutely. Rising up back on the street. Did my time to Coming up in segment three, we're going to continue our interview with our very special guest, Michael Gerber, author of the successful E-Myth Revisited and his most recent venture, The Dreaming Room. And we'll talk a little bit more about entrepreneurship and franchising. And that's coming up on Franchise Interviews on Radio with... Don't lose your grip on dreams of the past. You gotta... Tap into a $41 billion a year industry with Garlic Gyms. 
Did you know Americans eat about 100 acres of pizza every single day or about 350 slices per second? Garlic Jim's has spent years looking high and low for a higher quality pizza that is delivered quick enough so that you're still hungry when it arrives. Garlic Jim's makes the most delicious gourmet pizza and at the same time provides excellent and fast service to your door. Garlic Jim's has perfected the science of prompt pizza delivery by learning and experimenting. The exciting twist to this is great pizza. Never again will you have to choose between great pizza and great service. Are you interested in owning a Garlic Jim's? We're currently accepting applications to participate in our exciting world of gourmet pizza delivery and carryout. Talk to us and find out how we sold nearly 100 franchises in six states in our first two and a half years of operation. To get started right away, go to www.garlicgyms.com. That's www.garlicgyms.com. Or call us, 425-918-1900. That's 425-918-1900. Garlic Gyms. Ready for a great tasting dessert that's much better for you and your kids? Try the Miami Rice Pudding Company. Miami Rice Pudding Company offers over 35 flavors of rice pudding delivered in cups or cones with a customer's choice of toppings. This unbelievable franchise opportunity is introducing this great dessert concept to the malls, airports, art shows, and similar venues in your market. Miami Rice Pudding's goal is to help franchisees bring the healthy joy of flavored rice pudding to the world. Join our franchise system in opening your market with a low investment and operate both the fixed location and mobile units. Our system requires minimal food preparation and our pudding has a long shelf life. Mall chains are eager for us to expand to their locations because we're unique, competitive, nutritious, and a fun concept. Call us today, toll free at 1-866-6-EAT-RICE. That's 1-866-6-EAT-RICE. Or go to our website at MiamiRicePudding.com. That's MiamiRicePudding.com. Unlock your earning potential with a business to call your own with the Papa Lock Franchise Opportunity. Founded in 1991 by former law enforcement officers in Lafayette, Louisiana, Papa Lock is recognized as the leading locksmith franchise in the world, with 3,600 trained techs and licensed locksmiths serving a total population of more than 150 million in over 3,400 cities. Papa Lock provides multiple revenue streams to franchisees, such as locksmithing and car door unlocking, high-tech key generation, emergency roadside assistance, and emergency car door unlocking. If you would like to examine the Papa Lock franchise opportunity in more detail, please go to our website, www.papalock.com. That's www.papalock.com. Or call 337-233-6211. That number again is 337-233-6211. Lock up your future today with Papa Lock. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Franchise Interviews, Asking the Entrepreneur Who Owns One. I'm your host, Marty McDermott, with my co-host, Don Johnson. And if you've ever dreamed about owning your own business, then this is a show to listen to. And today's show is being brought to you by Service Brands International. And Service Brands International is a family of franchise concepts, which include Molly Maid, 1-800-DRY-CLEAN, Mr. Handyman, and Ducks. 
And today's guest is Michael Gerber, author of the very successful E-Myth Revisited and founder of The Dreaming Room. And uh, Don, I think you're up. I want to talk to Michael a little bit about franchising and entrepreneurship. Yeah, well, I think before that, Mike, I think a lot of people listening uh, might, might be a little surprised that your mom still tells you what to do. <laughs> No, that's the problem. My mom has never told me what to do. She inspires me to do things that I never exactly. thought about doing. Absolutely. That's great. That's tremendous. Yeah. What what advice would you give to a prospective franchisee looking to buy a franchise, Michael? Well, um, first of all, understand what you want. Um, it has less to do with the franchise than it does with you. Uh, what What is it truly important to you to do? Um, this whole new emergence of the dreaming room, for example, um, really um, revolves around the idea that struck me that this is the age of the new entrepreneur. And the new entrepreneur is very, very much different than the one who uh, preceded him. Uh, the new entrepreneur is more interested in a business that has meaning, um, not just money. So the whole question for the new entrepreneur uh, or the uh, one who wants to buy a franchise is really, so what's the meaning of this? What's the impact of this on the world? When we begin to look at the world and, and really realize that the world is in dreadful shape, um, you wonder then how I, in a business of my own, could have a, some kind of impact that would add value to the world. So I'd begin to look at franchises from that perspective what's the value of the franchise mm -hmm. presuming that i'm going to be successful um, what is the value what do i deliver that has value to my customer um, what pride do i get uh, from what it is i'm doing um, what am i adding a benefit to the world as opposed to subtracting from the world presuming again i'm going to be successful so the first thing is what does this company mean what is the true meaning of this, and what's the impact and import of it? Um, for me in my life, you know, I'm going to die one day, and um, I'm going to probably die inside my business. And what I'd like to ask myself is, will I be proud of the fact that I devoted the rest of my life to doing this? Right. Would I want to say this to people I love? Would I want to say this to my kids? Um, what am I going to say to them when I describe what I've chosen to do with the years of my life that I'm going to do it in? Because, in fact, you're going to spend the rest of your life in this business or in something very much like it. The second thing I would ask, once I've decided that, yes, this is a worthy thing to do for me, a human being, um, how organized is this thing that I'm going to do? How organized is it? Does it have a truly kick-ass um, breakthrough system for doing what it needs to do, which is attract people to it as customers, which is um, convert those people into active customers and paying customers, and ability to convert those customers into clients, meaning they come back again and again and again and again. So I want to build or buy that capability or I'm going to then be um, need to build it for myself. Wow, it's a great. We've been asking that question now uh, since we started the show, Michael. We never got such a great response. <laughs> right. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, so really, uh, you know, don't jump into anything quickly. Do your due diligence, and that's a good point. I mean, this might be something you've been doing for a long time. Are you going to be proud of right. telling people this is Strong what you words. do? Proud, yeah. 
I mean, that's yeah. Marty, you and I have talked about. Uh, people just uh, can't jump into something that sounds great. They gotta exactly do. do you know, yeah, but uh, and they, they have to go more deeply into their own motivation. Right. And that's the thing that's missing almost all the time. Um, essentially, the prospective franchisee, um, the guy, the woman who decides they want to buy a business opportunity, essentially they go out there, and the one who pitches the deal the best gets the deal. And I'm essentially saying it's got to turn around the other way. The one who's going out becomes more thoughtful about what I'm looking for as opposed to simply going out and looking for a good business to run. So that's so that right there might be a uh, a strong characteristic of a successful entrepreneur, somebody who is looking at it from that perspective. And that's really, a, you know, my next question: What do you feel are some of the characteristics of a successful entrepreneur, Michael? Well, um, I, I'm thinking about the entrepreneur a great deal these days. As you know, in my E Myth books, I talk about a business owner as three personalities: uh, the entrepreneur, the manager, and the technician. And I say that the entrepreneurs. Um, part of that is the visionary. The entrepreneur is the one who's thinking about the future. The entrepreneur is the one who has a, um, a, a design in mind, um, the creator, the inventor of a business. The manager, on the other hand, um, is the personality, the one in us, who invents the system through which the entrepreneur's vision can become a turnkey reality at the operating level of the business. So the manager's job is to build a system uh, and to improve the system right. and to improve the use of the system in order to be certain that um, it has that predictability and consistency that's absolutely essential for a great company. The third is the technician, and the technician's role is to become a master of the system. So the technician coming into work in a business needs to become a master of the system that the manager invented um, on behalf of the entrepreneur who envisions a result that this business is going to produce um, in a highly differentiated way that causes it to work better than its competitor. And then you see these three personalities working hand in glove. Well, I go into, in my new book, The Entrepreneurial Personality, and I break out the four um, parts of the entrepreneur. You might say the four personalities within the entrepreneurial personality. And the first is the dreamer. No dreamer, um, nothing is going to happen of any significance. And the dreamer is the one who actually does that. I call it intentional dreaming. Is the one who truly begins to work with a blank piece of paper to look for the opportunity that is a kick-ass opportunity that nobody else is looking at. Right. And that is the invention. Um, the second part is the thinker. And the thinker is the greatest ally of the dreamer. No thinker, um, that business may be a great, um, founded on a great dream, but it's never, ever, ever really going to do what it needs to do because you've got to put together the logic of the business. And the thinker is the left brain to the dreamer's right brain and creates balance um, as they, too, in within each of us entrepreneurs, go to work on the idea to flesh it out and to build the business model. The third is the storyteller. You need to tell a story. Every great company tells a story. Every great entrepreneur tells a story. But you need to write that story. 
You need to create that story. And so the storyteller writes the story that is going to go out to every single human being that entrepreneur can talk to. Let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story. Very few small businesses have a story worth telling. And therefore, very few small businesses really evoke the spirit and energy that's absolutely essential if that business is going to grow exponentially. And finally, is the leader. For our new listeners, Michael, can you tell them about the Dreaming Room and, and what's the next phase of the Dreaming Room? Sounds like you're sure. moving to another level now. Well, the Dreaming Room is what I call an entrepreneurial incubator, but not for the business, but for the entrepreneur himself. Um, it's a place that a, an individual comes to get unstuck and to begin to discover um, what they're really here for. In other words, what what big thing are they really here to do? What big opportunity are they really here to create? Um, not pursue, as in a franchise, as you've um, been talking about, but in creating their own enterprise, um, whether it be a franchise, whether it be a license, whether it be a coaching company, whether it be a service of whatever sort. And they learn how to do that, how to awaken the entrepreneur within themselves in the Dreaming Room. Um, that was the purpose of it. That's why I held the first Dreaming Room in December 2005, and we are now going on to replicating me doing it by uh, certifying, licensing others to become Dreaming Room facilitators. What's What's been one of the most interesting things that's happened to you in the five years of, of doing the Dreaming Room sessions, Michael? I mean, I'm sure you have hundreds of stories that to, to narrow it down to one would be difficult, but... <laughs> <laughs> that that that's wonderful. <laughs> well, let let me say very very simply, um, and, and I can't narrow narrow it down to one. I I could if I really gave some thought to it. Mm-hmm. But the 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 most astonishing thing about it is um, how stuck people are without even realizing they are. Um, right. How completely caught up people are in the, the the pictures they've created for themselves, the the model that they've. Um, they they built for themselves the beliefs they've got about what a business is, what a business isn't, who they are, um, what they want to do, what they can do, what they can't do, and so forth and so on. I mean, it's just astonishing. I have you know incredibly bright people come to the dreaming room and um, walk away stunned that they'd never truly seen themselves before or seen the opportunities that um, wake up for them in the dreaming room. So it's a, a process, and the process is always surprising. Um, it's always remarkable. It's never predictable. Uh, I don't know any of these people before they get there. I don't do any due diligence before they come there. I don't get any data or information about them before they walk into the dreaming room. Whatever's going to happen, happens there. Um, intuitively and um, remarkably, um, very, very brilliantly. It's just a stunning, stunning experience. Never done anything like it before, and I never imagined that I'd be doing it today. I'm sure there's a lot of joy in going through this process within the Dreaming Room. Once they find it, they get remotivated again. It's a cheer on your end. It's great to see. Well, it's incredible. Um, it's absolutely incredible, and I believe it's really the the key thing that has to happen 
not only in our country, but around the world, because obviously this is not just a United States of America problem. It's a worldwide problem, and it has this profoundly negative impact on um, the expectations and the beliefs of people that they suddenly realize that um, they can't go and get what they thought they could go and get. And as I said, what they've done and their experiences and their successes are suddenly all put into question. And so it's just not easy. It's hard, very, very hard. Right. And um, it's hard even to imagine that they could come to a place for three days and expect to walk out of it any different than when they walked in. They do, of course, but it's impossible to really um, tell them that and expect that they will believe it. So they've got to sort of come with the faith that because I've done what I've done over the years that I've done it, that I know something that I can be able to share with them in the dreaming room that will give them something they don't have. So it's a, it's a leap of faith. Right. That's a good, that's a good way to, yeah. to put that. Right. And you know, obviously whether someone's up or down, uh, you know, always, and we talked about this the last time you are on, I remember, Michael, that uh, your past successful books, the E-Myth books, uh, always a good reference point, whether you're doing well or, or, or struggling. And these books just keep selling, keep going. Uh, what's been on the small business bestseller list for more than 10 consecutive years, uh, been translated to 29 languages. It's just, you know, incredible, uh, th- this whole journey. And, Marty, I understand in a few weeks you're going to be getting a Lifetime Authors Achievement Award in New York City, which is right around the time it's basically the 25-year anniversary of of uh, the E-Myth. That's yep. pretty. Uh, it's, it's pretty incredible. Talk about it's that amazing. a little bit, Michael. Well, it's called the Quill Award. Um, yeah. It's the first time it's ever been um, given. Um, I'm the first author ever to receive it. Um, wow. I feel extraordinary about it. Um, it's really quite an acknowledgement. Of course, the books have done. Um, stunningly well and um, they're leading into the other venture that we talked about a bit um, called Michael E. Gerber Partners um, the first um, co-authored E-Myth book was published in June this year the E-Myth Attorney Why Most Legal Practices Don't Work and What to Do About It I have now nine more books um, getting ready to be published this year in 2011, uh, the Emith Financial Advisor, the Emith uh, Accountant, uh, the Emith Optometrist, the Emith Rainmaker, um, the Emith Dentist, etc., etc., etc. And these are co-authors or individuals, entrepreneurs, who have taken the Emith and applied it to the development of their particular market and the development of their particular practice and just done a stunningly effective job of it. And they're ready now to grow. And so this whole process will actually be uh, 310 vertical market e-myth books uh, representing um, the 310 major vertical markets written by me and co-authored by experts in each of those markets and taking the message out to every single individual doing anything that they are doing today um, that says you can excel. You can absolutely excel, and there's a way to do it. 
And we demonstrate it and demonstrate it and demonstrate it and demonstrate it. So there's going to be an EMIT franchisee, an EMIT franchiser. There's going to be a, a whole host of exciting books to show how the EMIT, by going to work on your business rather than in it, can become a, one of the, the top um, and most um, excellent uh, of your particular brand and your particular industry and your particular market. And I'm sure they'll become must-reads for people in those individual industries, uh, for sure. Absolutely. I recently asked Michael uh, what was my favorite book, and, and you know I'm a fan of the E-Myth, but um, Awakening the Entrepreneur, um, I, I just thought that was a wonderful book. I, I think that's one of those must-reads as well, because that, that would precede the E-Myth, doesn't it? Yep. Well, I, I love that book. and I, I love every one of them. Uh, of course, I don't. Ne- I never read them after I write them, but I, I loved them <laughs> while I was writing them. But it's a, it's an important book. In fact, it we're is. beginning a conversation with PBS to do a PBS special um, on awakening the entrepreneur within and the work that we're doing with origination, with the dreaming room, and with the new venture development program I'm building um, to start truly extraordinary small businesses around the world. So, you know, with E-Myth, we've been fixing broken businesses for uh, right. over 35 years. And what I've decided now is really my next calling is rather than fixing broken businesses, it's to start truly remarkable new businesses in a way that they should have been started in the first place. Right. So that's what the Dreaming Room does. That's what Origination does. That's what Michael Lee Gerber Partners is all about. That's what everything that I'm focused on today is all about. And Awakening the Entrepreneur Within really, really speaks to the spirit of entrepreneurship and um, the dreaming room and this entire segment of the marketplace that needs to be dealt with. There's really a, I mean, a new generation of people starting up their own business. People have been laid off and uh, they don't want to go back to the to, to their corporate job, or they they simply just can't get a job. So what do they do? A lot end up uh, trying to start up their own business, and obviously go into franchising. Uh, and you know, for many of those people who are listening right now, uh, who and, and a lot I'm sure have the mentality that I'm going to buy a franchise, I'm going to buy a job and work the job. That's really not the right way to go about it. Anybody who goes into business should be thinking big, and should be thinking multiple locations. Uh, as, as really the best way to start up a business, you know, maybe talk about that because it ties in so much to your, your whole philosophy with the E-Myth. Well, absolutely. I'm saying before anybody would be buy a business opportunity or a franchise, they have to really go inside uh, to discover more um, closely, more clearly. Uh, what is it, in fact, they're really looking for? I mean, what do they really wish to do? That's what happens in the dreaming room. Uh, we, we we go way, way, way back to the beginning rather than um, start talking about a business, start talking about a venture, start talking about a franchise or a business opportunity or um, starting your own business. What we're really saying is you've got to awaken the entrepreneur within. Uh, you've got to have a dream. You have to have a vision. You have to have a purpose. You have to have a mission. And whatever business you're going to go into has to serve that dream, fulfill it, um, serve that vision. Um, truly, truly resonate to that purpose and fulfill that mission. 
And if you don't understand what those words mean in the context of the dreaming room and the context of entrepreneurship, then you're going to be disappointed. Um, most extraordinary individuals who go into, um, who buy a franchise, and you know this as well as I, are rarely entrepreneurs. They're exquisite when they are truly successful, exquisite managers. They're taking somebody else's idea, somebody else's dream, somebody else's vision, purpose, and mission, resonating with it, and saying, I would love to operate that business. I would love to replicate that business. I would love to grow that business. So, for example, we're talking to um, a prospective Michael E. Gerber partner in New York, it's a company that owns 150 franchise outlets. So they're not the franchisor, they're the franchisee, but they have grown it exponentially. And they've grown it because they approached it in a significantly different way than so many franchisees do. They truly understand their role. They truly understand the power of the system. They truly understand what they want and why they want it and have found the dream, vision, purpose, and mission in a business that's already been created that, in fact, they can then simply exercise uh, with due diligence the development of. So it's very, very exciting. Um, say to anybody listening into you now that if you're thinking about a franchise, if you own a franchise, um, if you truly wish to expand beyond what you know today, then you have to come to the Dreaming Room. I'm doing my very last personally-led Dreaming Room on December 9th, 10th, and 11th in Carlsbad, California. And um, I invite anybody and everybody who wants to know about that um, to come to um, my website, www.michaelegerber.com, forward slash events, they'll find it there, or just call us at 760-752-1812, and let me um, show you what happens in a dreaming room and why it's such a significant experience. Michael, I was going to say, does that become emotional for you, Michael, as you do your last, you know, that's your last dreaming room <laughs> session, or does it, I guess it excites you that, you know, I, it's moving now to the next level. Well, it's moving to the next level. We now have dreaming room facilitators in Mexico and Colombia, wow. in South oh, Africa, wow. in Denmark, in Sweden, in Japan, in Australia, in British Columbia, um, some throughout the United States. So we mm -hmm. have now created the turnkey system right. so that it doesn't depend upon me. It depends upon the system that um, a dreaming room facilitator who is trained to utilize the system as a right. great franchisee would be trained um, to truly have this profound impact. We've also changed it from an intensive, which is what I've done, two and a half days, uh, to a 12-week course, one night a week. So over 12 weeks, somebody will discover what their dream is, what their vision is, what their purpose is, what their mission is. And, of course, it's um, significantly less expensive, and it gives them an opportunity to work through the problems and the opportunities and the ideas um, and the resistance that comes up uh, over time as they begin this process. 
But the process is absolutely brilliant, and it's absolutely um, extraordinary, the impact it has on somebody who's really not clear who they are, what they want to do, and why they want to do it. Yeah, I like, Michael, how you spread that out. It gives people time to think about the strategies and everything that you're having them uh, try to learn about themselves and what they want to do and their goals and dreams and mission and everything. I think that was uh, interesting, moving that Mm -hmm. to that type of uh, venue. Yeah, it's very, very cool. In fact, the um, Japanese uh, licensee um, is very excited about starting what we call Entrepreneur School. And we see it beginning in Japan uh, on the street um, at night, um, a place that um, people who want to start a business but don't know how or have a business that isn't going anywhere can go to truly awaken the entrepreneur within them. And it's an extension of the dreaming room. Of course, the first thing they'll do is deliver the dreaming room, but then go into the new venture development process. Um, How do you do that? We talk about it in four stages. The first is leap, the second is affirm, the third is launch, and the fourth is grow. So it's leap, affirm, launch, and grow. And those four stages are really four cycles of um, evolution of a new company. We're saying also that anybody can start a new company at home. Even if they've got a job, they can do it at night. All of the development of the systems that have to be developed, the positioning that has to be developed, um, the capability to generate interest, the capability of converting that interest into a paying client, all of that can be learned, and all of that can be learned at a very, very, very small, um, a very, very micro level um, to practice, to practice, to practice, to perfection, to take it through the stages of the cycles that it is going to go through. And as you do that, growing it from a practice to a business to an enterprise. So all of this is all in the works and obviously very, very exciting. And and crucial for someone to learn because more than ever, there's always going to be competition, uh, whether you're starting a franchise or non-franchise, but especially with, with the franchise, you have that training and ongoing support, but doesn't mean you're going to be successful. You have to be able to know yourself and ha- have an overall strategy. Do do other things than just what the franchisor is telling you as far as your marketing and growing your business. Oh, absolutely. And you've learned, you, you, you know this, as anybody who's been in business for any length of time knows it. Um, what um, normally or most often uh, has a negative impact on uh, the growth of the business has less to do with the business model, presuming the business model is in place, than it has to do with the um, the personal characteristics of the individual who's running that business. Um, fear of growth, um, inability to communicate directly, um, inability to uh, tell someone what must be done and why it must be done, inability to hold people to standards, all of these personal skills that are absolutely essential. I call them actually the five essential skills of extraordinary people, um, which are uh, concentration, discrimination, organization, innovation, and communication. So essentially, every single one of us have to develop 
the, the mastery of ourselves, forget about the business, if we're ever going to be able to master the business. And so most failure comes from the fact that we haven't mastered ourselves. Um, we haven't um, truly understood or taken stock of who we are and what we know how to do, what our strengths are, what our weaknesses are, and how to parlay all of that into a process of development that goes beyond personal growth, but essentially is a absolutely equivalent part of business growth, because without that, it ain't going to happen. Marty, Michael's given us a treasure chest of uh, great quotes. Uh, huh? <laughs> you should see my notes. So, yeah, I, I got a lot of them. I feel like I'm in college again. There, yeah. there you go. You see, I'm a treasure trove of great quotes. <laughs> well, Michael, you had a great quote. I'm sure you remember this. You said people don't fail because they think too big. People fail because they think too small. And it's interesting in the years that Don and I have been doing the show, how many um, new franchisees, they're, they're content with just owning one unit. You know, And I'm always surprised about that, that they never thought about, why not two? Why not ten? Why not fifty? Uh, we were actually referencing a story on, on segment one, Don. You know, and, and uh, I'm always surprised about that. I think that's something that the dreaming room also brings out is, is to think big, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And to understand what it means when I say think big. You know, think big sounds mm -hmm. like um, uh, motivating people to, right. to mm -hmm. do something that. Uh, they they can do you can do it little engine who could that's not it at all it's the fact of the matter is we're here to grow if we're not growing we're dying right. and effectively if I were to simply reside in what I've already proven my myself to be my expertise to be uh, my capability as an author my ability to commit if I were to simply reside in that place in that past I'm I'm through. I'm dead. True. I'm done. Right. There's too much to life to simply reside there and stay there and be there and, and, and feel that I've arrived. Truth is, I've never felt that I've arrived. I'm in process, just as you are. And I'm going on 75. So understand when I say that, I look at people, young people, who, as you said, are satisfied with the one business. It's impossible to imagine how anybody could be satisfied with the one business if they believe in that business. If they believe in that business, they want to bring it to more and more and more people. And the only way they're going to bring it to more and more people is to go more and more places. But the terror of that, meaning I don't want to upset the cart, I don't want to um, do something that will... Um, threaten what I already have, you can see they begin to grasp to, to try to hold on to that success because they truly don't believe it'll last. And they don't believe it'll last because it's so uncommon for them. They've never had anything that worked this well. They've never been able to do anything that produced this well. So it's like, don't rock the boat, Murray. I mean, you're lucky that you've got what you've got, you can't be lucky a second time. Well, the truth is, it has nothing to do with luck. It has to do with, one, a system, two, energy and laws of the universe we have no understanding of. And here we are, and here we are, ready to grow. 
That's the very, very significant part of it. So how do I prepare myself um, to be able to take those steps to grow beyond where I am? Well, that's what you need to learn how to do. Concentration, discrimination, organization, innovation, communication, the five essential skills. We have to study. We have to learn. We have to develop. We have to become someone we're not. Or even more appropriately, we have to truly rise up to become the someone we absolutely are. Don and I were a little nervous, Michael, when we heard that you were um, coming out with a radio show, particularly that it was on the same time slot. As we were on. But, <laughs> no. I, 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 yeah, I was so saying that. I was like, Wait a second. You've got me on an interview. I'm doing a radio show. There you go. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> but I think many of our listeners would be interested to know that you have a radio show. Can you talk a little bit about that? I was listening to the show yesterday, by the way. There was a, a caller that called in. His name was Robert, and he was talking about right. how his people are, are resisting the system, and he can't get his people to do it. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm intrigued by the show, so I'm a fan, by the way, just so you know. I'm always listening. <laughs> but can you talk a little bit about that? Well, yeah, the radio show is kind of a – it's one of those weird things that I do, and I've always done. I, I turned around to a guy here who is actually no longer here. I don't know whether that speaks to the problem or not. I said, listen, I'm going to do a radio show. And he said, oh, well, when, how are you going to do it? I said, I'm going to do that in two weeks. So I want to start a radio show in two weeks. Your job is to get me on the air. He said, well, how am I supposed to do that? I said, that's your problem. But I want to start on March 15th. Now, this was right. um, two weeks prior to March 15th, yes. 2010. And, of course, Blog Talk Radio came up, and, of course, yeah. we were on the air on March 15th. And he said, so right. we got to produce this. I said, produce it. Forget it. I'm doing an hour. I'm doing an hour right. every morning from 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock California time. What's to yeah. produce? I'll get on and I'll do whatever I do. And so that's all I've done. I've gotten on and done whatever I've done. There's been absolutely right. no thought about it. There's been no no organization of it. There's been no, I mean, come on. I'm, I'm not competition yeah. at all. Some days I get on and just meditate. So you don't have to be concerned about what Gerber's doing on his radio show. Nobody oh, else that's is. okay. It's it, it, it's, a, it's a great show, though. I, I love the introduction with the music, well, and, and uh, you know, it is, it's, it's fantastic. It's, uh, oh, thank you so, very much. So where do you go so now? So one day I'm going to do a syndicated show, and mm -hmm. all I'm doing right now is preparing for it. It's amazing. And anybody who wants to call, they got to call and say, i got a problem, and I solve their problem. That's what happened. Yeah, like the caller yesterday, and I, I think you did a great job handling that, too. I think, I think you had a comprehension of... of what to do after speaking to you, you know? So it, it, it's fantastic. What's, what's the best way for our listeners to get more information, Michael? I know you plugged a couple of the websites, but, um, but if you can say them again, maybe. Uh, yes, for, well, for it's a, really, really, really simple. Go to www.michaelegerber.com, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-E, Gerber, G-E-R-B-E-R.com, and... Um, our new website should have gone up last night. Now, it might not have. I haven't okay. checked. But um, you'll find just a, a, a plethora of stuff to look at, to engage in, to um, play with, to think about, et cetera, and so forth. And that's a lot of fun. Um, and here we are. 
and here yeah. we are. You know? And life so, goes on. Absolutely. You know, so, Michael, I thought a great place to start off is if you can ask or tell our listeners uh, what is in the Dreaming Room. Well, the Dreaming Room was um, an invention of mine um, as a result of a conversation I had with my brother-in-law, Marty Sklar. Right. Marty is the um, vice chairman of Disney Imagineering, and for 50 years, um, beginning with Walt, and after Walt's passing, uh, has been the primary leader of the parks. Right. So, <clears throat> Anaheim Disney, um, Disney World, um, in Japan, in Florida, in everywhere and anywhere, Marty's been right at the heart of it. And he told me a story about Walt Disney. Um, at the very, very outset of Disney Imagineering, he was in a meeting and he was getting frustrated by the way the meeting was going and he called the end of the meeting and said, uh, everybody come on back tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. When they came back in the morning, there was a sign on the door which said, welcome to the dreaming room. And when they sat down inside, Walt told them what in fact the dreaming room was. That This is a place where we're focused on pursuing the impossible. Right. Uh, nothing you know has prepared you for this. Nothing you've done has prepared you for this. We're in pursuit of the impossible, and that's the end product of everything we do. And then he handed them out. Marty told me their new business cards, which then named them the first Disney Imagineers. Wow. And so Imagineering is what I do in the dreaming room. And I thought this is exactly what every single person who ever wanted to create a business and every single person who has created a business absolutely needs to do. They need to learn how to dream. And what I'd learned in the um, 30-plus years now, um, as I've worked with small business owners everywhere, is that, in fact, that's the biggest single missing piece. There is no higher purpose. There is no great idea. There is no great result that they want to produce. They simply start a business and go to work. It's interesting, Michael, because you know, everybody dreams when they start a business, money, you know, big success, growing a company, but it seems like most people don't know how to implement that dream. I guess that's the key in your focus. Yeah, well, in fact, the biggest problem is that they dream about owning a business, but then what they do is they go to work to become their own boss, and they um, inevitably end up working for a lunatic. Right. They never really had a bigger idea than becoming their own boss. And there has to be a bigger idea than becoming your own boss, especially if you're going to buy a franchise, because it'll kill you if there's not a bigger idea behind your reason for doing it. And so by a bigger idea, I mean, so what is the great result that you're going to produce through the creation of this company? Um, There's an extraordinary entrepreneur in Bangladesh uh, of all places, uh, by the name of Muhammad Yunus. And Muhammad Yunus was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize three years ago for his invention of Grameen Bank. And Grameen Bank came about because Muhammad Yunus discovered as a professor of economics in Bangladesh um, the extraordinarily devastating reality of famine in his country and people dying 
and people completely incapable of being self-sufficient and taking care of themselves. So he decided, after truly thinking through the problem, what the real problem was. And the problem really was that people had no access to capital, no matter how minimal that capital might be or needed to be, in order for them to create self-sufficiency. So he created, invented a system, as certainly as Ray Kroc invented the system for McDonald's, he invented a system through which he could provide what he called micro-lending to a person who had absolutely um, no ability to pay back the money they would borrow but who, provided they could acquire just a little bit of money to be able to produce a basket or to raise a chicken or to do this or to do that, absolutely essential skills they needed in order to take care of themselves. His belief was that not only would they be able to pay back the loan, but they would be able to grow a small business doing what they did, and lo and behold, he has truly saved the lives of millions upon millions of impoverished women all over the world, and Grameen Bank's model has been emulated in countless countries throughout the world to do exactly the same thing. So his big result was the eradication of poverty in the world. Now think about that idea. You'd say, yeah, that's great, Michael, but that's not what businesses are made of. But in fact, Grameen Bank is an incredibly profitable and growing company. Right. So you can do good and truly have a profound impact on the world. And that's what I mean about a great result or a big idea or what the, happens in the dreaming room. As people begin to ask the question, what do I really want to do with my life? What impact do I really want to have with my life? And how would I create an extraordinarily original company to enable me to do just that? And all these great things come from, as you say, Michael, the imagination. You know, I think you reference like Microsoft and Apple, all creations of the imagination. You know, of course, so absolutely. Imagination is more important than knowledge, um, Einstein said. Imagination, that's why they call them Imagineers. So our imagination needs to be fed, it needs to be um, stimulated, and that's what I do in the dreaming room. And nobody's ever done it this way before. And I've been working in the dreaming room while I've been working on the dreaming room in my past 32 dreaming rooms since I had my first dreaming room in December of 2005 and getting it ready to scale. And that means that I'll not be doing it, somebody else will, a dreaming room facilitator who has learned the system right. of producing the re result that the dreaming room is there to produce. And this type of dreaming that we're talking about, Michael, uh, you mentioned like, that it's seen in the manuscript. Is it, We're not talking daydreaming. We're talking, you mentioned in the book, intentional dreaming. Absolutely. In fact, um, this whole new process I've been developing in the dreaming room is really quite extraordinary. And I call it organizing for growth. Mm -hmm. So I call it the organizing for growth program. And the first step of three critical steps in organizing for growth is intentional dreaming. The second 
is intentional organization, and the third is intentional growth. So what you do in the intentional dreaming phase is to truly begin to break down all the barriers um, to accessing your imagination and to begin to ask as you look around the world what's missing in this picture. As you begin to see things that break down, as you begin to see people in need of something or another, as you begin to see how the world really works, you begin to ask this truly entrepreneurial question, what's missing in this picture? And if I could provide what's missing in this picture, then I could produce a resolution to a problem that's truly inhibiting people from experiencing a full and joyful life. You said something very interesting in, in the new book, Michael, that in the beginning of our lives we're told to uh, stop dreaming or stop imagining, you know, and that's not how something great is created, you know. So it's just interesting. It's almost a cultural problem. I remember as being a small kid, you know, told constantly to stop daydreaming, you know, and uh, that's not how something great is created, is it? No, it's not. It's not. It's remarkable, in fact, that we persist in that with kids. But essentially, um, when kids dream, they get into trouble. When kids come to us with a great idea, they diminish. We diminish that great idea and ask them to go clean their room. Right. So effectively, we're constantly trying to train our children to be good citizens. That is, good employees, mm -hmm. good workers. When in fact, we've already seen in your life and my life that in fact being a good employee is not the greatest thing in the world to achieve, but being a great entrepreneur who invents the world is truly something to be desired. But we don't know how to do that, and that's my mission. My mission, my, my complete focus in these years of my life is to truly awaken the entrepreneur within the world and to teach people, to inspire people, to train people, to coach people, to mentor people, and consult with people on how to develop the skills that are absolutely essential to creating something, a company, that works better than any other. Right. I mean, truly like Michael, you're having people you know, stretch their imagination and to dream even bigger than what they were previously doing. Absolutely. And make it constructive, uh, of course. Yeah, because I, I'm, I'm actually saying that people don't fail because they dream too big. People fail because they dream too small. People fail because they don't rise above where their experience would lead them. People fail because they don't truly begin to dare to um, imagine something that they've never um, actually imagined before. And as I bring people into the dreaming room, as people participate with me, they begin to experience something they have never experienced, or if they had experienced, they'd experienced it years ago, but in some way lost the ability to dream. So it's a remarkable thing. I never would have told you I'd be doing it, but in fact I see it as the absolutely essential piece to anybody who wants to do anything uh, let alone by a franchise, the beginning of that process is to dream. You know, it's really like an awakening. I mean, in life, there's just so much that can just, you know, I guess sort of beat you down a little bit. You know, life's not easy, and there's work, and there's family, and, and um, you know, I guess over time that 
he maybe you just don't have the time or, or, or just forget about something simple like dreaming. So you're really just reintroducing it to people, you know, kind of waking them up again, so to speak. Well, I'm reintroducing the question, what in the hell am I here for? Right. What is my life? And time goes on for all of us, and it's tick-tock, tick-tock, and time goes on, and I simply become immersed in all of the doing it, doing it, doing it that I've committed myself to. And I never stop to really ask, is this really what I want? Is this really what I want to do? Is this really the entire purpose of my life? Is this really uh, going to give me um, the experience that I truly um, am hungry for, the, the joy that I truly am missing right now? What in the world am I doing with myself? And I'm su simply suggesting, without asking that question, in a very, very provocative way, people miss the most extraordinary opportunities that they will never see until they begin to ask the question, then who am I? What do I want? Where am I going? And these questions begin to provoke some very, very serious introspection. And that's critical for anybody, anybody who is, as you say, sitting there about to think about going off on their own, about buying a business, about buying a franchise, or about creating a business of their own. Critical, critical, critical. And nobody's talking about it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's a critical element to entrepreneurial success, Michael. All this dreaming, uh, I think you mentioned in the manuscript, it gives you uh, fuel to stay up late and uh, get up early in the morning. That's where the juice comes from. Absolutely. I mean, can you imagine Michael Dell creating Dell Computer? I mean, you think about that. He, you know, he was a he was a college student <laughs> right, um, who began to diddle with this idea, the idea, the big idea, the great idea, the great result, and he created this stunning company, this extraordinary company that does what it does in a way that nobody else imagined it could be done taking a commodity, a computer, and turning it into a product, a true invention, the way in which Dell provides customized computers in a standardized process, customized, standardized, an extraordinary idea that rules the world today. And yet you don't hear that expression in most places. And certainly you don't hear it in franchising, customized standardized. How do you do that? Well, that requires entrepreneurial imagination and verve, and that's what creates absolutely stunning companies. So if you're going to do that, you might as well do something in the business you're about to create that truly transforms the lives of the people who buy from you. Do you find that um, a lot of the people coming into the dreaming room initially, Michael, are a little trepidatious or afraid to dream big? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And in fact, they have no idea what's going to happen. Right. Um, it's impossible to tell them. And in fact, if I told them, I would be actually doing the opposite of what I'm there to do. Nice. So all I say to somebody is come to the dreaming room with a beginner's mind and a blank piece of paper. Right. Come with absolutely no expectation of anything. Don't come to fix your business. Don't come to invent your business. Don't come to um, do anything whatsoever about anything you know because I'm not going to deal with anything you know. I'm going to deal with everything you've not even thought about before right. in a way that you've never done it. 
And obviously that's the challenge because when I go into the dreaming room, I do exactly the same thing as my guests. When I go into the dreaming room, I go in with a blank piece of paper and beginner's mind. I don't go in with a turnkey answer to everybody's problems because, in fact, if I did that, I wouldn't be um, provoking exactly the thing I'm suggesting is essential. I'd simply be giving them an already predigested answer. That's not the purpose of the dreaming room. So it's truly a test of my ability to let go of what I've learned over the past 30 years. It's the test of my ability to actually engage with each and every single participant, individual in a dreaming room, where they are. And I have no idea who they are, where they are, before they enter the dreaming room. I don't ask them any question. So I had to build the impossible system that's in fact the antithesis of a system while being an extraordinary system in the process of doing something nobody's ever done before. And that's what's such a, a, an absolute mind-blower about it. So, Michael, the people who attend in the dreaming room, there's no you know, specifications you have. You don't want an existing business owner or it, you know, really anybody can attend. Whoever. Anybody at all who truly wants to do this thing, which is awaken the entrepreneur within. Um, they they want to create a business, but they don't know how to create a business. They got a business, but they're ha- unhappy with the business they've got. They've got a business, and they're happy with the business they've got, but they realize that they suffer from a lack of imagination. They just can't really figure out how to solve problems that are continually coming up. They can't figure out how to provide the juice that the company needs continuously in order for it to feel fresh and new and alive. They're trying to deal with all of the conditions anybody and everybody has ever had to deal with in a business, um, which is the people need stimulation, the people need imagination, the people need to be focused on what they're there to do, the people need to be inventive in order to create better ways to do it. The people need to learn how to innovate, and they don't know how to innovate. If The worst thing is they simply use the system, and they never, ever, ever think outside of it. So effectively, that's what happens when you come to the dreaming room. You begin to develop muscles that have not been used before. It reminds me of the movie, uh, Michael, The Dead Poet Society, if you've ever seen it with a famous line. Oh, yeah, that was a great you know, movie. She's the day sucking the marrow out of life, you know. And, yep. And, and they get two and a half days to do that. Yep. That's fantastic. Uh, extraordinary movie, and everybody should go see it. I'm sure you can go to um, Blockbuster and pick up a copy. Absolutely. But um, that's exactly what it is, to begin to in- inspire people to be inspired themselves. That's great. I'm sure you have... Uh, hundreds of stories, Michael, uh, uh, of people going to in the dreaming room. Uh, I'm sure you have examples of people that attended and had an extraordinary transformation. You know, maybe you can talk about one or two people that you might have helped uh, along. Oh, absolutely. Well, there there does. I've had over a thousand people in the dreaming rooms that I've done, and the dreaming rooms that I've done have really been uh, a prototype. Uh, I've walked into the dreaming room wondering what in the world am I doing here, what in the world is going to happen here. No idea of what the impact would be, no idea what the next words out of my mouth were going to be. I'd never done anything like this before. 
And it's just astonishing to me um, the kinds of things that have occurred in the dreaming room. Um, one gentleman who um, is a um, an extraordinary advisor, stock advisor, um, has written many, many books in the subject, has become extraordinarily successful, and yet he's only um, 29 years old. Wow. This gentleman was dying. He literally was dying because he felt that his life had come to an end. He couldn't imagine what he was going to do next. He put himself into a box and couldn't get out of it. And when I met him in the dreaming room, he was so depressed um, you could feel it coming from his body. And as I began to challenge him uh, to go back to how he began his life, now understand he's a young man, right. but he's a brilliant young man. And he started this whole career of his in his teens. He early, early, early on discovered this gift of his uh, he had and pursued it with everything he had. But he had come to an end of the road. And he had no way of even imagining how to break free of it. Well, in the dreaming room, he did. Um, the one company he had was sucking him dry um, when he walked in the door. When he left the dreaming room, he had enough energy to start six new companies in the year following leaving because his imagination just burst like out of a prison and began to see the many different options available to him. But not only was he creating six new companies in less than the year following the dreaming room, but he also discovered how to spend more time with his wife. And he and his wife developed a completely new and fresh relationship. So much so was she blown away that she came to the dreaming room herself. So understand, his whole life changed, completely changed. Now, here's an extraordinarily successful person, and you would think, looking from the outside of his life, that he had everything. But when I saw it from the inside of his life, he had absolutely nothing and less than that, and in fact, no inspiration about how to get where he was to where he couldn't even imagine he, himself to be. So what happened in his early teens was essentially an accident of genius. What happened in the dreaming room was to plug into that accident of genius and discover that he could do it at will. He'd never believed that. Suddenly he saw that, and that was a result of the dreaming room. Now, Michael, you said he started up six companies. Shouldn't you be at least part owner of about four or five of those? <laughs> yeah, I absolutely should. But it happened so fast. And who's got time? Because in the past two years, I've started up six companies of my own. There you go. So all of this is happening in the dreaming room. you got to understand, I'm 71 years old. You understand, I'm not a kid. But I have the juice and energy and imagination of a kid. And I discovered in the dreaming room what I knew when I started my first company, E-Myth Worldwide. I discovered the entrepreneurial um, thrill of inventing something out of whole cloth. You understand? I knew nothing about business when I started E-Myth Worldwide. 
All I knew is I had a dream, and my dream was to transform the state of small business worldwide. That's what I said to myself. I had a vision, and my vision was to invent the McDonald's of small business consulting. I had a purpose, and that was to transform the lives of every small business person, every owner of every business. If you wanted to go into business, you could suddenly do it right, and the vast majority wouldn't fail. And I had a mission, and my mission was to invent a turnkey consulting system that I could teach to a relative novice who, in turn, could use that to transform the lives of any client at less than the cost of a minimum wage kid. So the way we've been able to work with every and any kind of small business is through a system I invented. Well, all of that inventiveness at the very beginning of Emith was critical to its becoming today the largest and most successful small business development firm in the world. But something was missing. And the something was missing was the entrepreneur in me. Because once I started it, and after I developed it, I became more and more and more a manager of it. Mm -hmm. And that's not entrepreneurship. And that's what was missing. And that's what came back to me full bore when I finally brought in a CEO to grow the company and freed me to simply go out on my own to do what? To do everything that I've been doing. So you've had two entrepreneurial awakenings, it sounds like, in your life, Michael. I guess back when you started uh, the EMS back in, I guess it was 1977, and your experience with the uh, Dreaming Room, you, you, last time we had you on the show, you spoke about, it was a great story with your mom, how she inspired you uh, to start this whole thing. You know? Absolutely, and, and and I tell that story in my new book, Awakening. It's a great story, yeah. It's, it's a Thank wonderful you. story. And I, I love how you even brought in um, uh, the story you tell of Arnie and how you were uh, consulting um, the gentleman Bob. I just think that's such a great story how you two were sitting across from each other and uh you know this great thing happened just out of that that one well my friend arnie uh not his name right right. owned a small ad agency and he um was having problems with one of his clients he had problems with more than one of his clients and that is um, the client didn't know what to do with the leads that arnie ads uh produced and arnie asked me if i'd sit down with him and, and 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 see what was going on and i said to arnie arnie i don't know anything about business and i certainly don't know anything about high tech this was in silicon valley um in the early 70s and arnie said to me for whatever reason michael i think you know more than you need to know just do me a favor and do it so i sat down with his client who we'll call bob and um Arnie says to us, um, listen, guys, I'm going to take off for about an hour, get to know each other. So Bob says to me, uh, Michael, what do you know about my business? And I said, Bob, nothing. And he said, well, what do you know about my product? And I said, Bob, less than that. He said, so, Michael, you don't know anything about my business and nothing about my product. How in the world can you help me? And I said, Bob, I haven't a clue, but Arnie thinks I can. <laughs> so let's figure out what's going on. And I started that conversation with two assumptions. First of all, that I didn't know anything about business. And second of all, that Arnie must because he owned one. And in that hour, uh, the e-myth was born. In that hour, I absolutely learned that, one, I did know something about business and that business selling is a system. And two, I realized that the Guy Bob, who owned a business, didn't know anything about business, and it blew my mind. 
and I suddenly realized there was a huge opportunity there. So the entrepreneur woke up in me at exactly that moment and saw the opportunity to go to work on Bob's business, not in Bob's business, to build a turnkey selling system for Bob's business so that he could convert the leads that Arnie was creating for him. And in the process of starting that, the E-Myth was born. Great story. Which, by the way, I'm now reading again for the second time. I recommend everybody out there, it's been a while since they've read the E-Myth, to read it again. It's really a great little refresher because people seem to forget about things over time, Michael. I've got got guys, I swear, Don, uh, who tell me they pull out the E-Myth Revisited every year. One gentleman I spoke to, um, the founder of an extraordinary company, 1-800-GOT-JUNK, mm-hmm. who's a franchiser. Right. He credits the E-Myth with the creation of his company, and he credits the E-Myth with the continued vitalization of his company and the growth of his company. They now have um, a few more than 300 franchisees around the world. Um, the guy is less than 40. He's the CEO of this company. He started by driving a truck, picking up junk, read the book, read the E-Myth Revisited, and suddenly saw the light. And the product of that is a company which last year did $147 million in gross revenue and has the expectation of reaching a billion in revenue in the next eight years. So the man's on path, and he takes the E-Myth out every year and reads it again and insists that every one of his management team reads the book. And in fact, I'm the keynote at his uh, annual event um, in March. So I'll be in Vancouver addressing 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Right, right. The show we had last week, Michael, with uh, the CEO and president of a franchise opportunity called Desert Moon, Gary Oki Grasso, he spoke, for, he spoke about you for like 10 minutes during the show. I mean, it's just amazing the impact that you've had in the franchise community. I mean, your well, name comes you. up every other show. Thank you. And you know, I don't know 90% of these people, so I hear... I hear be happy for what guy, yeah. this guy says and this guy says and that guy. It's really quite extraordinary to me because I, I don't know these people. Exactly. I can't imagine you know, what kind of fuel you have. I, mean, how, I don't know how you go to bed at night, Michael. I mean, changing the story you told about you know, the young gentleman you know, being depressed and stuff like that. I mean, uh, the kind of fuel that you must get from that kind of situation must be incredible for you. It is. It's absolutely extraordinary and... Um, life is simply um, an array of infinite options, and they're continually showing up. Absolutely. They're constantly, constantly, constantly showing up. I can't imagine how anybody could feel um, limited or um, uh, deprived of opportunity when there is so much more opportunity than any single one of us could possibly deal with and i see it every single day in my mind there's one there's one there's one why doesn't anybody do that why doesn't anybody do that it's extraordinary when you begin to experience the entrepreneur within and anybody any single person on the face of this earth can experience it if they begin the process right and that's what i'm committed to 
And the title is great too, Michael. You know how you added in addition to how ordinary people create extraordinary companies without any experience to guide them. You were one of those people. Um, I think you referenced Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, uh, Michael Dell. I mean, all these guys really didn't have this significant experience in business. It was all based on a dream or their imagination. Exactly. They had no experience in business. Bill Gates wasn't a business guy. Right. Bill Gates didn't work for a living. Bill Gates went to Harvard and then dropped out. Um, Michael Dell didn't have any experience when he started his business. Nobody, no great entrepreneur, has necessarily had any business experience at all. They simply imagined a result that they saw was absolutely needed in the world. And then they invented the answer to that problem in a a business. Well, anybody can do that. And in the book, Awakening the Entrepreneur Within, I take you step by step by step through the golden process Mm -hmm. through which any company can be started from scratch in your garage. And I'm essentially saying, if your car is parked in your garage, move it out and start a business. Exactly, absolutely. Michael, top top entrepreneurs are never satisfied. I mean, in Chapter 3 of your book, I thought it was great. Uh, You you talk about you woke up one day and and you had nothing to do. Personally, I mean, that's my dream, to wake up one day and have nothing to do, but just for a day before I get back to business. But, uh, you know, of course, yourself being a top entrepreneur, you you know, you just weren't satisfied with that. Uh, You know, you had to... You know, take that next step and you know, and and do something great again, and that's what you did, obviously, with this book. Yeah, well, and and you got to understand when I say I had nothing to do, I had everything to do, but I didn't have to do it. Right. In other words, I didn't have to go out and earn a living anymore. True. But I do. I didn't have to go out and speak anymore, but I do continuously. I didn't have to go out and write another book. Uh, my books are among the top five business books ever published mm-hmm. in the world. E-Myth Revisited sells more books every year than it sold before. It's the most extraordinary phenomenon. So I didn't have to do anything. There's nothing that caused me to go out and create the dreaming room other than my fertile imagination. And I'm simply saying what an extraordinary place to live in the imagination because one can begin to imagine a world unlike the world we live in and then take it upon yourself to invent it. And that's all it is, inventing it. Everybody invents every single day of their life. The problem is most of us invent the past. I'm about inventing the future. Right. And this book precedes the E-Myth, Michael, so I guess everybody who has read the E-Myth is going to have to read Awakening the Entrepreneur Within as well. Um, Your lips to God's ears. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yes, Absolutely. It was interesting, Michael. I saw you in um, in another uh, presentation once. You referred to uh, Chris Tremurdy and how he stated we're born to climb, but uh, most of us just stay in the valley, and we're warned not to climb the mountain. I thought that was interesting because I think it's so true of our culture as well. You know. Well, yeah. In in, in Australia, they call it the tall poppy syndrome, mm. and the tall poppy syndrome don't stick up above the rest, right? Because we'll chop you down. Exactly. Well, in the United States, we like to stand up above the rest. We love that experience of being the raw, um, amazing individual. But still, even though we profess we love that, um, we don't take kindly to people who break out of where we live. 
because essentially what it says about us. So we don't like people to challenge the status quo. We don't like people in companies to challenge the status quo. Right. But if you look at McDonald's, the most extraordinary innovations at McDonald's were created by the franchisees, not the parent company. True. And that's really quite remarkable. So how do you build a system that requires absolute commitment and at the same time creates room for innovation? It's the biggest single challenge for the franchisee of the f- franchisor of the future. Right. How do you create um, creativity in your environment at the same time create orchestration in the environment? And franchisors who do not address that issue will discover that, in fact, they're not going to be attracting entrepreneurs because no entrepreneur wants to give up his or her imagination and inventiveness, become controlled by a system that is so rigid that they can't invent. And therefore, most franchisors will not derive the benefit from all of that invention that must happen for the franchise to continually improve and grow. What's what's next, Michael? I mean, I understand that there's going to be a book signing tour. Um, oh, yeah. Well, I'm going out to 26 cities starting this month. That's great. Um, I'm then going out to uh, 1,200 more um, by webinar uh, to bring the um, new book and the, the, the idea of the age of the new entrepreneur to everyone. I'm launching my new website, AwakeningTheEntrepreneur.com, and on that you'll see a host of other business ventures that I'm deeply involved in. Uh, one called ClubEnetwork.com. That's Club E as an EntrepreneurNetwork.com, and that is both online and on site because we're opening up Club E's, Club Entrepreneurs, uh, throughout the United States. We have two in Phoenix. One in Tempe, one in Boulder, one in Denver. There'll be New York opening up in May, Washington, D.C. opening up in May. We expect to open up 52 cities this year. And that's a club that young entrepreneurs or old entrepreneurs or any entrepreneur can go to once a month to hear an extraordinary entrepreneur speak of his or her success and to give them insight into how entrepreneurs think, feel, and do whatever they do to create a community of entrepreneurs. So Club E Network, clube.com, is really the um, social network, the MySpace for entrepreneurs. And you'll see that on my new website. There's also a company called Sonyari, which has a motto called Earn While You Learn and Grow, and it provides people who want to become entrepreneurs with business opportunities without any investment. All they need to do is to refer friends to these opportunities, and they earn a living while they're learning the skills needed to start their own new business and grow that business. So all kinds of stuff I'm doing. Wow, that's great. A lot of different things to give people information, knowledge, and and probably most importantly to motivate. You got it. Absolutely. What's the best way to get more information, Michael? Is is someone go to In the Dreaming Room? We actually have that link up on our website. My next Dreaming Room is March 28th, 29th, and 30th. So you go to www.inthedreaming.com. 
dreamingroom.com, in the dreamingroom.com. But better yet, what I'm going to ask everybody to do is to go to amazon.com or barnesandnoble.com and buy my new book immediately before it hits the stores on March 4th, and you'll get a 30% savings at Amazon. Buy 10 books, give away 9, read the other, and I'm telling you, you will start an entrepreneurial revolution in your life and among your friends. And we have that link up on our website as well as we're speaking, Mike, you know, so Super. Uh, that's fantastic. But I think you're great. I know Don thinks you're great, you know, and one of my dreams is to shake hands with you one day. So Well, thank you. Do that you're still on top of your game, Michael, better than ever. Thank you. Thank great. you. Thank you, Michael. You're great. Take care. Take care, Michael. Take care, Michael. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Great show, Don. Yeah, just... Uh, just uh, really, it could have been a two-hour show, but... Uh, <laughs> It's just such a pleasure to talk to, you know. It's uh, it's really amazing some of these new things he's getting into. It's incredible, you know. Bubby Network, and I th- I think all these things he mentioned at the end are going to be great success. Just not the I heard of that new book. By the way. Yeah, I, I didn't say anything to him, but I actually heard of that uh, that social. Um, yeah, right. Network. Yeah, I didn't realize that he was involved in that. You know, right. Uh, I was listening to a presentation the other day, and someone was talking about it. You know, and I didn't realize that you know Michael was involved in that as well. So it's just amazing. But it's because he has all this fuel. You know, I mean, that story he was telling was really inspirational about that young gentleman who was 29 right. years old. I say, how is he able to sleep at night? You know, knowing what he's he, he he's done for people. You know, uh, it's yeah. just incredible. You know? Yeah, I know. Uh, it's just. Um you know, people kind of reach a dead end. Even that person you were talking about, he's only about 29 years yeah, old. Yeah, 29 years old he was, yeah, you know, so it's just... Uh, yeah, just the lives that he's affecting, uh, uh, you know, and helping. It's just, uh, it just keeps going on and on. It's just, it's just incredible, that book, to, That's his you know, motivation. The E-Myth, right. how that continues. Like you said, it's selling more and more each year than the previous year, which is incredible. Well, in this book, too, you know, I, I mean, I have to, I, you know, I, I love both books, of course, you know, but reading, you know, the manuscript of, of, of Michael's new book, you know, it's just... Uh, you walk away with a different feeling. You walk away, as, as as he says, with an awakening, you know, where you right. walk away with all this fuel and motivation, you know. So it's it's one of these books. I think it's it's uh, going to be in, in in that top five with the E-Myth, you know. So it's just uh, it's just incredible. And fans of Michael throughout the country. I mean, the, the people who, who read E-Myth, uh, you know, several times. I mean, you know, they're definitely going to be buying this book, and you know, without a doubt. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the book is is, is, is going to be a tremendous success, you know, and, and it's it's uh, definitely worth it. You know, I mean, this is a book that I'm probably going to read several times over, you know, but I like his idea of buying 10, you know what I mean? Especially in the franchise community, you know, because so many, uh, you know, your Carol Mercurios, your franchise brokers, people like that, you know, they constantly give out the e-myth. Why not give out this book as well? You know? Right. Because this book precedes the e-myth. So it's really, if you're going to do anybody a favor, buy them both, you know. By awakening the entrepreneur within and the emeth, you know, and say read awakening first. And, right. Uh, and I'm going to, you know, definitely be putting those books uh, on, on a few of my websites. And it was interesting. We was talking about the franchising industry, the, the franchisor, mm-hmm. um, how um, you know how are they going to, you know, maximize that, you know, creativity, and trying to, you know. Uh, continually try to improve the franchise at the same time keep that system in place for people to follow absolutely so important you know but uh great show coming up on segment two you're going to hear what every franchisepreneur needs to know before buying a franchise we're going to play a clip from our popular great quotes and franchising podcast right here on franchise interviews 
franchisers, are you looking to reach aspiring entrepreneurs looking to buy a franchise? Are you looking to reach a highly educated audience on franchising? For over eight years, Franchise Interviews has been giving an up-close, behind-the-scenes look at franchising and entrepreneurship through our website, FranchiseInterviews.com, where you can hear and read interviews as well as get tips from some of the most successful sources in franchising. Our weekly franchise radio show where each week you get to hear a new interview with franchisers, franchisees, franchise authors, franchise experts and attorneys, and our podcast, Great Quotes in Franchising. For more information, go to FranchiseInterviews.com or call us at 610-905-2919. That's 610-905-2919. Today's Great Quote in Franchising is being brought to you by... Franchise Teacher. Would you like to know how to franchise your concept or grow your franchise business? Meet the experts at Franchise Teacher. The goal of Franchise Teacher is to teach, coach, consult, and advise. The team of experts at Franchise Teacher will evaluate your business model and present you with a winning business strategy. Franchise Teacher will help you decide whether or not your concept works and if it's franchisable. Franchise Teacher is proud to have over 30 years of experience in franchising as both franchisees and franchisors. Franchise Teacher are developers of over a dozen franchise systems which include brick and mortar as well as home-based concepts of nearly 3,000 combined franchise locations. Whether you need to add more units or get more customers, Franchise Teacher can help. We will teach. Franchise Teacher will help you learn our proven system. Coach. Franchise Teacher will help you provide a game plan to succeed. Consult. Franchise Teacher will make sure you stay on track. And advise. Franchise Teacher will help you learn from our over 30 years of experience in franchising as both franchisees and franchisors. Take advantage of our free, no-obligation phone consultation. Simply go to FranchiseTeacher.com or call us at 561-385-3032. That's FranchiseTeacher.com or call us at 561-385-3032. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Great Quotes in Franchising. We're each podcast you get to hear. A great quote in franchising. You know, we've been hosting franchise interviews now almost years, and during that time, we've had some incredible quotes on the show. Today, you're going to get to hear from Carol Mercurio, and she talks about a subject that we talk frequently on the show, which is following the franchise system. She gives a lot of great other advice in addition to aspiring entrepreneurs, but I just thought her um, advice was fantastic. So here we go with Carol Mercurio, franchise consultant. It is because success means different things to different people. Right. You know, there are people that could be very happy making forty, fifty thousand dollars a year, and there's others that would just never tolerate that. So you have to pick the right opportunity. It's going to meet not just your personal goals, but your income potential as well. You have to like what you're doing, and most of the time that'll turn into making more money. So. Oh, definitely. And you know, the truth is that franchising really isn't for everyone. You know, it's, uh, you know, Michael Gerber, you know, one of your guests who is um, one of my heroes, so to speak. I love his book. I recommend his book all the time. 
And as he says, you know, there's a difference between an entrepreneur and what he calls a technician. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, and, and we'll, we'll go into that if you want to move forward in the Sure, slides. absolutely. We'll go to the next slide. And uh, that's slide four, Carol says, that's all great, but... Do you have what it takes? And, right. and, and that's really what this presentation will help people do. When I do this presentation live, it takes about two hours. And, you know, there are people at the end of the presentation will run to the front door and can't get out fast enough. <laughs> they're scared to death or you have those folks that just linger on because they really want to learn more and educate themselves to see if this is the right fit for them but there's a lot to figure out you know before you actually can pull the trigger and make that decision and as you mentioned just previously the due diligence is imperative you, know, you have to do a good job of figuring that out you know is it the right connection personally and are you connecting with a company that you feel is a, a comfortable marriage between the two of you Absolutely. Right. Yeah, and so that's what we're going to do is help determine if this is, in fact, the right path to explore. And then we can move on to motivation. Okay. And, you know, if you know, for me, I think motivation is really, really a major component of this whole process. I agree. If you're not motivated to do this, don't do it. If somebody tells you you should do it for a variety of different reasons, but it's not your own passion, right. you probably won't do well at it. And, you know, the, there's two different types of motivation. There's positive motivation and there's negative motivation. So you have to think of it as it an inspiration. Are you inspired to do this or are you desperate to do this? There's That's a big difference here. Absolutely. Are you, you know, running from something or you're running towards something. Right, right. And, you, you know, for me, quickly, I work Carol. with a lot of folks that have been downsized and right. they're in transition in life, and I certainly can relate to it. But they may go to looking at a business because they can't find a job. Or maybe lesser positions are offered to them, less money, less title, or maybe their severance is about to end and they need to make some decision quickly. Bad choice. Right. It's not a good reason to buy a business. It's, that's it's like a last resort type of decision. So you can quickly determine part of your services is finding out that motivation level pretty early on. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I won't move forward in our consultation until that candidate can tell me what their reason is. Right. And it's not just because, you know, I want control over my destiny. Who doesn't? <laughs> you know, everybody does. That's true. They want to make more money. <laughs> Who wouldn't? Right, absolutely. You know, it has to go layers deeper than that, or as I look at it, you know, having a burning desire, or I'll add to that, a little pain. You know, if you can't relate to the pain, then there's no reward at the end. Absolutely. And going into business for yourself can be painful. You know, with franchising, of course, it's a little bit easier because you have all the support, but it's still you're starting a business from scratch. That's and you have to really want it. About. Right. Right, right. We always talk about that. Uh, um, that there's no guarantee of success, but if you follow the system, work hard, mm -hmm. look at the stats we just went over. I mean, the failure rate's so low, and then with getting the right um, Match. Uh, you know, consultation from someone like yourself, then, right. you know, uh, you should be okay. Well, and it's true, and, you know, uh, the, the systems that are in place with franchising are the major reasons why people gravitate to franchising, but if you're not the personality to follow a system, and you're more of that entrepreneur, as Michael Gerber would say. Right. It, the best way to describe it is you can't paint the golden arches green. Right, right. You know, it just won't work. Absolutely. Either you follow the system and you'll be successful or not. But most importantly, there has to be a motivation. And everyone's motivation is different. You know, uh, the way I help people see things is if you look down the road, say, the next three, five years from today, 
how do you see your life being different, if at all? Right. You know, what do you want to accomplish? You know, and some, for some people, it might be doing things that they've just missed doing, like having the freedom to play golf or, you know, having the money to buy a, a, a boat and taking their family on it and being with their family and having that quality time that they just don't have in their current world. That's interesting. So you consider that positive motivation because that's the whole big picture of success in business, working hard, and then having all that personal stuff on the side. Oh, yeah. What's the end result look like? You know, what is it that you want to accomplish by being in business for yourself? I mean, what is your burning desire? Where Where is the pain now? I mean, if you look at your current situation today, you know, I'll have people that I'm working with that are making, you know, well over six-figure incomes, and they Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you again soon with another edition of Great Quotes in Franchising from Franchise Interviews. Take care, everyone. Franchise Interviews. From Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia, you're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews.